Welcome to America's Pal. I am your host, Darren White. This is the number one rated podcast being recorded in my man cave. Uh, you can find us on everywhere podcasts like to hang out, Apple, YouTube, uh, Spotify. Um, check us out at the website, americaspal.com. Um, all the hate mail can go directly to me, Darren at americaspal.com. That's D-A-R-R-E-N at americaspal.com. Um, last month we tried carrier pigeons, the bird flu's knocked them out, so then we tried to switch over to monkeys, the monkey pox happened, so no monkeys. This week we figured what better way to <coughs> get America's pal to infiltrate every home in America? Yep, you guessed it, rats. And what, you know what, all of the rats right now are in D.C. for their, uh, for their little party at, uh, on primetime this week, so... No rats this week. We're still working on another way to get this message out. Um, anyway, uh, we'll have to wait till the rat supply chain issues get resolved. Um, my apologies for last week's lack of video. My producer, Mr. Allnut, um, doesn't speak Mac apparently and can't get video to work on a regular basis. So, what? No, I do have a producer. His, his name is it's, it's Mr. Allnut. That's Charlie Allnut. Riverboat captain, Sancta Louisa. You can get a full head of steam. Yeah, no. Okay, that's me. All right, fine. Anyway, um, we couldn't get any video last week. Looking at the monitors. Yeah, it's working. Maybe. Anyway, this week we've got a special in-studio guest. Uh, my old friend Ed Rorden is with me here today. And uh, we're going to be talking about a, a charity that, uh, a really a mission, which is... Uh, Honor Flight and just the powerful, impactful um, message they share and then the, the service they provide. Um, but before we get into all of that, um, before we get into our weekly uh, news outbreak, we got to go to yet another one of our deadbeat sponsors. One of these days, we're going to get paying sponsors. Until then, we'll stick with the deadbeats. So um, hang tight as we go through the uh, first of our deadbeat sponsor break. This portion of the program is being brought to you by sharks with freaking laser beams attached to their head. Wait, what is that? No, no, no sharks. Harvesting issue. Okay. Supply chain. Got it. Okay. What, 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 what do we have? Come on, people. Work with me. What do we have here? We have sea bass. Are, are they ill-tempered? Okay, okay, we'll just run with it. Okay, here we go. This portion of the program is being brought to you by... Ill-tempered sea bass with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. And that brief pause was that new technology we have from the Secret Service, which actually taps into Joe Biden's inner monologue. They use that to monitor him if it goes blank like you just heard. Um, they know that the president has shut down and they got to go find him, bring him an ice cream cone. Right now, there's an ice cream parlor somewhere handing out ice cream cones to Secret Service agents trying to lure him back. So anyway, let's get right into our uh, weekly news outbreak. This week, the Yulin Dog Meat Festival is set to kick off in China. Tens of thousands of lovable canines are set to be the main course. Dr. Fauci's National Institute of Health is to sponsor and cater the event with the leftovers from their Chinese experimental kitchen. No bats this time. 
A mostly, mostly peaceful armed man who traveled from California to Maryland and called 911 on himself was arrested near the home of Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh with homicidal thoughts, a Glock, and robbery paraphernalia stating that he was afraid the Supreme Court would overturn Roe v. Wade and loosen gun laws. No word from the Justice Department if he will be held in solitary confinement for the next year and a half alongside a dude that walked through the nation's capital unarmed and nonviolently on January 6, 2021. Pseudo-President Joe Biden summons the Defense Production Act to boost solar panel production. Former executives of Solyndra are now petitioning the third Obama administration for an additional half billion dollars of stimulus to send right back to K Street. Voters in San Francisco voted to oust their extreme left-wing district attorney last week. Apparently, liberals will only tolerate human excrement and use needles in front of their mansions for only so long. Nancy Pelosi is yet to say if she will demand that the recently dropped DUI charges against her husband to, will be reinstated immediately. Louisiana Senator John Kennedy said this week that gas is so expensive that it is now cheaper to buy cocaine and run everywhere. When asked, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said, Senator Kennedy's thinking is completely outdated and off base. We are moving fentanyl now. Cocaine is so 1980s. From the proxy war desk, the Ukrainians worry that prolonged war may cause the West to lose interest in their plight. To quell their fears, the military-industrial complex responded in a joint statement saying, That couldn't be farther from the truth. Our plan is to drag this out a couple of decades, soak the taxpayers for a few trillion dollars, and then inevitably hand everything to the Russians, leaving thousands of American civilians and allies behind to fend for themselves. The stock market dropped faster and lower than Jeffrey Tubin's pants on a CNN Zoom meeting this week. When asked, Fed Secretary Janet Yellen said, although it is troubling, Jeffrey Tubin's pants are still transitory. Lunchbox Joe was on Jimmy Kimmel Live this week. When Kimmel asked how he would get anything done, Uncle Joe joked that he would jail his political opponents. No word yet on when he plans to instruct the FBI to stop treating concerned parents at school board meetings as domestic terrorists using the Patriot Act. From the irrelevant pop desk, Justin Bieber has an odd neurological condition paralyzing the right side of his face. When asked, Pfizer CEO Albert Borla stated that he was excited to have the opportunity to raise profits for with another mass vaccination experiment on all the believers out there. The WHO is recommending further investigations into the lab leak theory. When asked, St. <clears throat> Dr. Fauci stated that there is nothing to find because no global human experiment is accidentally leaked. Inflation reached 8.6% this week, the highest in 40 years. When asked about how this affects the everyday American, President Biden stated, As we have said before, we are thrilled to be breaking records for all Americans that many said could never be broken. He followed that up with saying, And that sums up our weekly news outbreak. So... Lots going on this week, Ed. <laughs> Certainly, yeah. I mean, um, uh, yeah, the, the the clown show and donkey show uh, in particular was a little bit of a distraction for some, but uh, yeah, they, I didn't they give said, it any watch time myself. They said they got uh, twenty million viewers, and sure, that's great if it's all on one network. Right. But it was spread across all the networks that hosted this in prime time, which uh, I think Joe Biden's presidential uh, um, State of the Union got. 
think it was somewhere around 30 million. And that's all the networks air it, every yeah. single one. Well, you let's know. not forget he got 80 million votes. Uh, of course he did. It's <laughs> the most popular president in history. Look at his poll numbers these days. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and it's odd that that makes, that makes the top news of the week is this January 6th commission. When you've got a guy travels from California to Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh's house. Right. But everything about that's weird to me because he gets a block away, sees that there's a police car sitting there, and so he decides he's going to call the cops on himself. This, this story just it, it doesn't make any sense. It's a, it seems to me more of that kind of distractionary kind of look this way while we do that. Um, it's a stark comparison to uh, all the complaints about Kyle Rittenhouse crossing state lines with a gun to go do something bad. Yeah. And you know, how many state lines did this guy cross? All of them. And, and, what, and, and what exactly did he have in mind? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, you, you know, it, it just shows the media for what they are. Yeah. And it's it's just one-sided. It's narrative, narrative, narrative. Yeah. Uh, uh, was it last week? Uh, CNN is now transitioning to, you know, they're, they've been bought out by, I think it's Discovery, Discovery Channel. Discovery Channel. So their new CEO says that we're going to get away from more opinion-based news and get to more... Uh, uh, what did he say? It, it's our job to inform um, our our viewers, not um, alarm them. It's going to be a tough nut to crack over. It's CNN. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. And and, and if if the Donkey Show did in fact have twenty million viewers, I'm going to say the vast majority of them were probably people that were looking to watch the things they normally watch on a. Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, uh, yeah, on a, on a Wednesday night or a Thursday night. How many? How many of those twenty million people walked away at the end of uh, of it saying, "Wow, I had no idea." I mean, I was of a completely opposite opinion, but after seeing that, oh, and God. as well produced as it was, I've completely changed my opinion on all of this. And, and <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure somebody somewhere thought it was good to have it on television. I mean, certainly they they've never been they've never spoken about this event on January sixth before, so there was a. No, no, no. They've to, not mentioned one lot, word about it. It's not, about it. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, it's a, you know, nobody knew that it was the most, uh, the most uh, important event in our American history since the Civil War. They, right. they haven't used any dialogue like that, or it's worse than nine eleven, or yeah, worse, yeah, exactly right. So yeah. worse than Pearl Harbor, worse than nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, uh, good luck not alarming <laughs> <laughs> your, your viewers. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, and it's odd that we're shifting. It, I'm seeing a little bit of hope nationwide as far as maybe more and more people kind of coming to come into the sense. It's just common sense, not coming to my side or your side or that kind of tribal um, thing. But more and more people just going, no, no, this is making sense. It's not. It's not working. It's. It's. Why is it so many catastrophes are happening all at once? Why is everything shifting and and um we're going from one catastrophe to the next over and over and over again and, and people are starting to go you know with just normal would be nice not a right. new normal not a just let's get back to normal let's focus on feeding our families and crime is still crime i mean it's still the number like the number one issue when people are polled about in politics is it it's it's, it's your economy it's the economy crime and they're not focusing on any of that. And then to see uh, 
San Francisco pulling their, uh, uh, recalling their district attorney who hasn't prosecuted any crime in. I think we're seeing a shift that, you know, I think it started probably, uh, I don't know, whatever it was, maybe six months back when we saw what happened in, uh, uh, in Virginia. Yeah. You know, with uh, Youngkin being elected. And, uh, I think there were a lot of people that might have been blindsided by that. And, you know, parents showing up for uh, school board meetings. And I was one of those people before it became a popular thing to do. Yeah. And I remember. I mean, yeah. we, go, we go back to the old Tea Party days yeah. back. Uh, yes, we do. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's funny you say that because uh, one of the things that always kind of uh, uh, forced my flakes is when people talk about the Tea Party they always make it want to sound like it was uh, something that came about because of racism. Mm-hmm. It was anti-Obama. Uh, I mean, you and I, we go back to the the, the, the third year of the second uh, Bush uh, administration. Yeah. Uh, that's when the Tea Party started. It had nothing and, to do with Obama. It had nothing to do with Obama. Uh, you know, for us, it was all about uh, 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 protesting and calling out uh, the government for for borrowing and printing money, and uh, which is funny because that was uh, two thousand nine, two thousand um, the oh seven oh seven, and then 07. when when we finally get to where the Tea Party had grown into this in a, in a true grassroots kind of a way, um, we finally get to the point where um, we sweep in eighty seven elect um, uh, freshmen into Congress, and they all espoused the, the taxed enough already. That's Tea Party. It's what it stood for. So fiscal responsibility was something that the Bush administration wasn't famous for, for no. doing. And uh, we just we, we all instantly knew that, of course, moving into the um, Obama's term, that it's just going to be tax and spend, tax and tax. And so um, everybody get, got up in arms about that. Instantly they go to racist. Right. And at the same time, we're like, no, 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 no. We're, this is principles. This is... And for us, it was really, uh, I mean, being a taxpayer at the time and seeing what was going on, again, during that third year of, the, of Bush's second term, uh, and the amount of money that was being borrowed and spent uh, by a Republican, no less. Uh, for, for us, it wasn't even about the impact that it had on us. We became uh, very involved and very active at that time because of our issue with generational theft. Yeah. Our kids were our kids were getting older. We wanted them to not only grow up in the country that we grew up in, but also not be saddled with a massive debt because of uh, misspent misspent money. Yeah, and uh it's uh um it's amazing to me that after the uh, Freedom Caucus gets started in, in uh, Congress and all of that. And what does John Boehner do? Sit down, shut up. This That's is right. how it's done. That's right. And we keep going. We move forward now. <clears throat> now it's 2022. All through this, all through the pandemic and even before, neither side is concerned about spending any money. Oh. It's, it's just print, 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 print. QE2, QE3, QE4. Mm-hmm. So... There's still some of us that are still sitting there going, remember back, you know, from 07 on when we were at least raising some alarm bells that the Republican Party was supposed to be, that was the third leg of the Republican platform, was um, uh, spending, fiscal responsibility. And then it just seems a little bit odd that inflation this week, 8.6%, and they're not even counting 
your daily necessities, your fuel, your food. They don't even factor that in like they used to back in the Carter administration when inflation was measured with all of those as well. So they got the number down to 8.6 when actually it's more somewhere around 17 with with uh, if you factor in what it costs to get your car from to to work, what exactly. your groceries cost, exactly the, the the games that they play with calculating CPI is is a little, yeah a little absurd. You know, I mean, if, if the price of computers is coming down, it affects affects the CPI. Meanwhile, it's it's all about gas and 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 food and what you can put on your table. That's really that's the real really inflation that we're what it's about where it meets the. Um, American Citizens Road, where that rubber hits the road, yeah, is gas is more than doubled since uh, January twentieth of twenty one. That's that's all there is. To you, it. you think that's coincidence? Uh, no. <laughs> no. You know what? If you were paying attention to some of the small amount of things that Biden had to say when he was running for office, this is all by design. Yeah. You know, even even Obama, uh, you know, back at the time, uh, you know, spoke about. Uh, you know, to, to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish, the, the price of electricity was going to skyrocket. He was going to tax the, the, the coal producers. He said yes. up to 500% more. Yeah. It, what, where, where does that cost go? And it, doesn't, it does not matter in, in their model. And it's, in my opinion, what they've done is kind of that uh, Cloward and Piven where they just overwhelm the system, overwhelm, keep overwhelming the Absolutely. system, forcing it to collapse. And then once it does inevitably collapse, because this is by design, then they sweep in with this whole new fundamental transformation. That the fundamental transformation. That's what he was talking about. Was it's it's re, it's not even a restructuring of our government. It's an overthrow of our government without firing a shot. Well, not, without firing a shot at Americans. Right. We'll go to proxy war here and proxy war there and spend more and more money. But we keep spending the money. We keep making these what seem like irrational policy decisions here domestically. We're seeing the same kind of strategy down on the border. You know, we're being uh, overwhelmed with uh, you know an open border where uh, the, the uh, Customs and Border Patrol folks that are being brought in, they're not being brought in to to, to stem stem the uh, stem the crossings. They're being brought in so they can process those coming into the country quicker and get them into the mainland of the country quicker. And, and, and disperse them. Yeah, and we'll get to a point where uh, uh, they'll suggest that the uh, the only answer to all of this is to uh, have an amnesty and just legalize everyone. And, and But we're not allowed to talk about that anymore after Buffalo. Of course not. Because, because you know, all conservatives now, um, yeah. I, I mean, this is all brand new to me. I didn't know I had um, espoused this, this principle of the replacement Theory that they they started talking about right. a couple of weeks back. Right. Um, you you could have hit us with with that. Maybe give us a heads up so we could at least study up on it before you start accusing us of it. But uh, that that whole replacement theory. So you can't even bring up the border right. without being accused of being a racist. They have been going back to the well of racism, the well of um, uh, the, all of the phobes. You know the homophobia, the transphobia, the the the, uh, the xenophobia. Uh, you can't make a good decision, like when uh, President Trump said, "Let's going to shut down all traffic or, or all travel from China." Right. Within seconds, what what did they say? You're 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 xenophobic. And it was the smartest thing you could 
Could have possibly gone to the So bed. you can't, uh, yes, the, the puppies. <laughs> she must have broken loose. Oh. She's, she's digging at the door. <laughs> so that's that noise that we're hearing. Okay. So uh, it's not a secure studio. And uh, the attack puppy is. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's overwhelm the system. It's overwhelm it. Yes. And then if you question, if you just question it, then they're going to label you with whatever phobia or whatever, um, uh, any dis- disparaging thing they can sure. to shout down just a logical, you want to have a conversation about it, but you can't even do that. So um, overwhelmed system, collapse it. That's why they're not worried about the spending. That's why, that's why they're not worried about inflation, why they're getting up and saying that this is a sign that the economy is actually good. You went on Kimmel this week. Saying that it's it's uh, um, what is it that the the strongest economy in history, and, and what the hell is up with that? I mean, well, sure, with all of the issues and problems and challenges that we have in this country right now, someone in this guy's administration, or maybe him if he ever had a thought of his own, figured it was a good idea to go on a comedy show, <laughs> like <laughs> you know, for someone that hasn't had a. A press conference in you know well over a hundred days, who never takes questions from the press. Well, uh, but that in his defense, Jimmy Kimmel is a renowned journalist and uh, is uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not going to just throw some softball questions and then ask him what his favorite ice cream flavor is. Well, you know, and they might want to dig up some of his past. I can't understand why he hasn't been canceled yet. I remember seeing the man show on television. I remember yeah. a bunch of years <laughs> Him ago. and Adam Carolla. Yeah. If anybody should be canceled, it should be Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, that that uh, that sort of only cuts one way. Uh, that's exactly right. That's but, exactly uh, right. If he was a conservative that had been on the man show, he would be, you know, persona non grata basically any, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. He's Adam Carolla limited to, you know, and he still has some... Fame and credibility about him, you know, but yeah. he's limited to the small circles that might that's right that, that might overlook or might at least appreciate a different point of view. But uh, anyway, well, we're going to take a quick break. Um, who's our deadbeat sponsor coming up here? I got it here in my document dump. Um, oh yeah, so we got another deadbeat sponsor, and then uh, then we're going to talk about Honor Flight and uh, kind of go from there. So hang tight through our deadbeat sponsor break. This portion of the program is brought to you by Florida Man Adventureland. If you're a Central Florida native and you're tired of all the theme parks built for the out-of-towners, then Florida Man Adventureland is the place for you. It's a theme park built for the Florida Man by the Florida Man. If you think swimming with the dolphins is for chumps and you can swim with the alligators at the Florida Man Lagoon, Fully stocked with gators big enough to take more than a dollar's worth of hamburger off of you. If you dabble in off-label chemistry, then be sure to experience our immersive Stump the Dentist experiment. If firearms suit your fancy, then check out the Florida Man Shooting Emporium. You can take a shot at a wild pig or of a rival gang from our authentic 1996 Chevrolet Impala. Forget all those butterfly encounters. We got a mosquito encounter that will knock your socks off. <laughs> when you get a path of thirst, 
and a path of hunger, then don't miss out on our bath salt buffet. It will expand your mind. The mouse might have a Chewbacca, but we got our very own skunk ape experience. Try to find him just after our lunch at the bath salt buffet. Don't waste time with a mouse, the whale, or a hulk. Jumpstart your pickup and get down with us at the Florida Man Adventureland, located just east of East Orlando. And welcome back. Um, going through my uh, show notes here. I jumped the gun and uh, I actually forgot to introduce you. <laughs> so I have here my old friend Ed Rorden, uh, who's with uh, um, Honor Flight. And he and I go back, uh, let's let's say many, many moons. We talked about the Tea Party, the, the early beginnings of the Tea Party and uh, back... Uh, um, especially through, um, what was that? Oh, nine. I remember going to a town hall with Suzanne Cosmos and, uh, Oh my gosh. I remember it was the Sandy Adams, that's, uh, that's that exactly campaign. Right. Yeah. You, we, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I was not a, a big fan of Susan Cosmos at the time and I couldn't get her to come out and respond to the public. She would not do, uh, town halls that weren't all prearranged mm-hmm. and, organized with security provided by the SEIU and so forth and so on. And that was during a time when uh, uh, access to officials uh, was uh, was very, very problematic. Yeah. And uh, uh, she refused to do a town hall. And uh, so I uh, organized a no-show town hall. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, we put up a, a podium up at the front of the room and uh, uh, that we knew that she would not stand at. And uh, we packed the hall. Packed the hall. I think we probably had about 300 folks there uh, that were uh, all got to take turns and go up and ask the empty podium a question. And I'm sure she found it very embarrassing, and I really hope that that was the case. But I think it was uh, emblematic of uh, how uh, non-responsive she was at the time. And uh, yeah, I had forgotten about that. That, that was that, that was might a have lot been of when fun. We met. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, and then we went to it was the debate. I remember uh, uh, I forget uh, forget where it was at, but it was a debate with her, Sandy Adams, and then that communist guy that was running for the Green Party. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, wow. Um, I do remember that. I don't remember the candidate's name, but yeah, we were we were uh, uh, big supporters and uh, good friends of uh, uh, Sandy Adams. It was yeah. a sh- it was a shame that as a result of the uh, uh, realignment of the district yeah. uh, and so forth, that she ended up uh, uh, having to run against uh, against John Micah uh, and uh, uh, him, you know, reclaiming that uh, reclaiming that seat. And uh, uh, but. Uh, yeah, I guess over the years we have spent a little bit of time being politically active. Uh, just, just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, going way back, uh, uh, you know, I always taught my kids uh, when they were growing up that uh, whoever said you can't fight City Hall was probably somebody that worked there. Yeah, exactly. And so you, you And you, that you should, you, you know. And we've had some little victories along the way, you know, going way back to, uh, uh, to our days up on Long Island, which is... Uh, Gosh, well over thirty years ago. You yeah. Know? So, uh, but it's a good thing to be uh, politically active. I, I sleep better at night knowing I'm not just complaining that I'm trying to do something. Yeah, and it, not everybody can run for office. That's right. not that's exactly. not the um, calling for yeah. everybody. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, being that voice, because if they just get to run, you know, roughshod over everybody, well, nobody's going to say anything. Nobody's going to do something. If you look at it as it's my neighbor's job. 
to, you know, they'll get up and say something, then um, nothing changes. Evil flourishes when good people remain silent. Yeah. And this is why, that's why limiting speech is so important um, to, to the left, to the ideal that that yeah. overthrow of our government without firing a shot, mm-hmm. it requires submission that's and right. silence. And, I mean, we look at just, just through COVID. The, you can't even talk about a lab leak theory. Couldn't, you so. couldn't even talk about the lab yeah. with, without getting shut down on all your social media platforms. And I, I tell you, and uh, it was, it, to me, it really struck me as corporate fascism when Jen Psaki, um, or however you pronounce her name, she got up and said that we're working with our partners in social media to, to, to label and limit misinformation. The federal government does not have corporate partners. That's fascism, mm-hmm. and it was it was it was chilling. And they kept saying it. And then they go to the vaccine mandates. And me being in the plumbing industry, and we do a lot of office buildouts, especially over by UCF with the um, you've got all the defense contractors out there, Raytheon, Lido's, all of that, and they were requiring vaccinations. And that's, hey, that's my choice. That yeah. My body, my choice or whatever. But at my age, my health condition, whatever it is, the risks didn't, out, you know, didn't uh, outweigh any reward. The, so, the idea that you could be mandated to, to take what amounts to an experimental vaccine is pretty insane, you it, know, when you think about it. I and mean, they can force you to do yeah, it. We, we haven't gone through uh, trials. But we're not going to learn for maybe another 10 years at least what the effects of these vaccines are and uh it's it's but if you were wanted to speak up about that even by uh just just strictly from a common sense standpoint just can uh, i weigh the options here publicly oh you were you were immediately shut down yeah shut down so so it's uh it's been an interesting couple of years yeah and it's 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 culminating and i and that's why I, i keep saying that there's hope i think that more and more people are like I may not agree with anybody on the right, but at the same time, none of this feels right. It, it doesn't, it, this isn't America. I don't think the right has, uh, is the answer to all of our problems. No. But I think all of our problems are absolutely being created by the left. And it's, uh, um, it's back to that Coward and Piven, just more and more and more pressure, more and more, the powder keg, and, and, and that's where they want us. But anyway, let's dig into Honor Flight. Sure. This is... Now, one of my favorite things to talk about, and it's uh, it's been it's been uh, on my heart, and it's an amazing mission that uh, y'all have been on. So, are you are you still working with Honor Flight at, at, at uh, capacity? What's uh, we, we've actually uh, taken a step back after being involved with the organization, both Nancy and I, for uh, uh, for eight years, going back to 2013. The uh, Honor Flight Central Florida Hub. It's one of 130 hubs throughout the country that uh, carry out the same mission of. Uh, transporting our veterans up to Washington, D.C. at absolutely no cost to them so they can view and reflect at the memorials that were dedicated to them in their service. And uh, uh, we go back to 2013 when we uh, heard about the inception of the uh, organization in Central Florida uh, that incorporated and had their first flight in uh, 
uh, June of 2012. In 2013, we became aware when they had their, I guess it was their first flight in spring of that year, uh, that there was going to be a flight returning into Orlando Airport on this one particular Saturday evening where there were going to be uh, uh, about two dozen World War II veterans uh, coming back from their day of uh, honor up in the Capitol. And uh, uh, Nancy and I went down to the airport to, uh, to greet them. And uh, we thought it was just the coolest yeah. and most appropriate thing. And and we just loved it right from the start and just wow. wanted to be involved in some way or another. And uh, after after just witnessing that and being able to shake the hands of, uh, you know, men and women that served in World War II, as, as my own dad did, uh, yeah, I mean, our greatest generation, they just... Uh, uh, their their, uh, their dedication uh, to, to to this country and what we stood for and what they saved us from uh, in uh, you know during that uh, that major world war and they secured the country for freedom we we just thought it was so important to go out and shake hands and thank these guys personally because I mean like a lot of folks in the it, well I guess it's a little different in the service today today when you go down and you uh, agree to serve as a volunteer you you might even negotiate a great package where you're getting educational uh, opportunities on the backside and you might be able to pick where you serve and you know where you're going to be stationed and so forth and so on you you can kind of write a deal you know but at that time uh, you know these are men and women that uh, uh, you know in 41 like my dad did war broke out and we we were we would have been subject to uh, all of our freedoms being uh, you know disappearing off the face of the earth if uh, uh, we, we did not have folks like uh, the greatest generation step up and you know uh, my dad and many many people just like him uh, they just showed up yeah they they showed up and they said I'm here and I'm an American and I want to fight for fight for my country and I want to secure our freedoms and the free and freedom for others as well and Oh, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Wow. It, you know, I mean, and, and then they took it on their shoulders to, to uh, and, and we stand on their shoulders today. So. And, and not knowing what exactly was in front of them, what they were going to no, be facing. It's, uh, I mean, the, the moral courage that it took yeah. to do that, it just, it, it's staggering. Staggering when you think about it. 17 and 18 year old, 19 kids. year old. I mean, they're Kids. My own dad dropped out of high school, you know, to go to go serve, and uh, he was just one of you know yeah. one of many uh, you know that, that did that in uh, December of forty one when the U.S. decided to enter the war. But we just thought the organization and the organization's mission was so cool. Uh, you know, when it first got started in two thousand five, it was a uh, it was a, uh, a physician's assistant uh, out in uh, out in Ohio who uh, worked with a lot of uh, older. Uh, World War II veterans at the VA, okay. and uh, uh, he, he uh, the World War II memorial had just been dedicated in 2005, and he decided that he wanted that he had access to a plane, and he had a, his pilot's license. He was an Air Force uh, Air Force veteran. He wanted to take some veterans that he worked with to Washington D.C. to see the memorial that was just dedicated. And it just just, just like dedicated that. them. And initially, he was going to take three guys with him in his plane. And uh, he told some of his friends what he planned to do, and that turned into uh, uh, six planes and a dozen World War II veterans that oh, wow. flew out of Springfield, Ohio, and uh, in, in the summer of '05. Uh, you see, good things do come out of Ohio. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's rare, yeah. but <laughs> and and they, and they flew out there to uh, to see the memorial, and he got a lot of press. 
and uh, somebody uh, somebody uh, in uh, North Carolina, uh, a guy named Jeff Miller, who was a dry cleaner by trade up in uh, the Asheville, uh, North Carolina area, he thought what uh, Earl had done was a really really cool thing and he was the son of a veteran as well so but he wanted to kick it up a notch so he raised he went around in Asheville business to business door to door and raised enough money to to charter a jet Uh. and filled up a jet with World War II veterans, wow. and took them out, took them to DC, and uh, they were two different organizations at the time. But but Earl and uh, Jeff, because they shared a common mission, they joined forces, and uh, the Honor Flight Network sprang up out of that. And uh, now we've got 135 hubs uh, throughout the country. And uh, while the mission is the same, it has evolved to where uh, we've lost so many of our World War II veterans now, and even our Korean uh, Korea War veterans are uh, many in their 90s like my father-in-law he's 92 um where now we have evolved to where we're also serving vietnam era veterans which is something that i'm you know very very excited about yeah uh over the years uh, since 2012 our first flight uh, uh we have had 33 honor flights uh, i've been on 31 flights and uh, personally uh, taken over a thousand veterans to, to Washington wow. D.C. All guys from right here. And, it's all guys a thousand from, thank yous. Yeah, all guys from right here in Central Florida, and uh, the organization collectively uh, since its inception in 2005, uh, just a month ago, celebrated taking 250,000 wow. veterans from all over the country. Wow. Uh, of a quarter all million eras, veterans. Of, yeah, of all eras up to Washington, D.C. Uh, we have regional hubs, and but collectively we service the entire country. And uh, it's just a mission that I, I could not be more proud of. Uh, you know, being involved. In I, I can see why you're drawn to it. it, it you just, know, with you talking about your uh, dad and his his service. And yeah, I mean, uh, uh, how do you ever get to really uh, you know thank these guys? I mean, it, 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 listen, uh, you're like me. I'm sure if you're down at the Costco or at the Publix mm-hmm. and you see a guy, they're they're always conspicuous. They're humble but yeah. conspicuous. Which, they they wear that cap. Yep, they're they, really they proudly. You know, Korea era veteran, World War II veteran, Vietnam era veteran. You know, uh, it, it, it's nice to be able to take it beyond shaking their hand and thanking them for their service. Exactly, it's, and it's, that is something. My wife, yeah. <clears throat> my wife will be out or whatever, yeah. and uh, we're at Goodwill uh, a few weeks back or whatever, and taking dropping some stuff off. And uh, the nicest guy, he's a mountain of a man, you know, um, uh, World War II, I believe World War Two vet, maybe Korea, uh, but he was kind of helping out or whatever, and he's wearing yeah. a hat and. Um, I just you know, thanked him for his service, and he stopped, and he just, he was like, I appreciate you noticing, you know. And she's like, you do that everywhere. And I was yeah. like, somebody has to. I mean, listen, these guys are proud. They are so proud of, of what they have done. That's why they wear those ball caps. Yeah. That's why they go to and the And rightfully VF- so. Yeah, to the I mean, VFW and the American Legion, and you know why they have their jackets, and they they are really really proud of, of what they've done there. But they're incredibly humble. Yeah, incredibly humble about their service, and uh, we just wanted to be able to do something beyond, you know, beyond thank you so, for your service, and you know, put a, kind of put our effort where our where our uh, mouth was. So, so if if if, if you don't mind, 30, 31 flights, thirty one flights. Um, can you run down maybe some of the more memorable or something that really touched your heart with uh, a situation in particular that might that might have happened? Well, 
you know, what we strive to do is to, to help those veterans that may not have um, – Completely fond memories of their service, right. mean, as you might imagine. You know, as you might imagine, if you you know the, the the fogs of war and some of the many things that they have had to deal with, uh, and they've carried these memories around. You know, for well, if you're a World War II veteran, you know, possibly since 1945. Yeah, you know, memories of your service that were not uh, uh, happy, and um, I, I think they all need to uh, to know that they are appreciated for what it is they do and uh, what it is they've done. And I think that um, we help them in many cases to get a little bit of closure uh, right. on that on that service and uh, to recognize what they did wasn't in vain if they had ever uh, questioned that. But, um, you know, uh, uh, I, ha- uh, I remember a story of taking a, uh, a Marine Corps veteran, uh, World War II, who we know served in the Pacific. Uh, he traveled with his uh, son on the trip. Uh, every veteran is assigned a guardian uh, that takes care of them for the day to make sure that they, they're they their motor for their wheelchair, mm-hmm. which we, we don't, well, actually, we don't call them wheelchairs. We call them lightly armored personal carriers. <laughs> and uh, and the, the on-a-flight guardian will take care of them for the day and make sure that they uh, are taken care of, that they see everything it is that they want to see when they're in the capital, uh, that they're there with them shoulder to shoulder to help them, uh, uh, you know, uh, confront co- confront their service uh, b- by visiting that memorial with uh, other veterans on the trip. Well, uh, this, this veteran whose name was Pete, uh, his own son, an adult son, did not know much about dad's service because right. dad just didn't talk about it. Which is and, and, and well, we arrived at the uh, Iwo Jima Memorial, and uh, we had uh, two dozen veterans on the bus, uh, which was kind of standard at that time. Uh, Pete would not get off the bus. He's a Marine Corps veteran. Wow. The Marine Corps Memorial, Iwo Jima Memorial. Hey, he wouldn't get off the bus, and uh, then his adult son and all of us found out for the very first time uh, that that Pete was there. Wow, Pete was there. Wow. And uh, so he had a lot of terrible memories of uh, of his service, but uh, you know, that's the kind of a thing that uh, uh, compels us to want to be involved in this organization. Because yeah. it, on on that day, his adult son, who was probably fifty years old, learned for the very first time what his dad had done when he when he was in World War II. And he already had immense respect, but now there was a, an understanding. Yeah. Besides the respect. And it answers underst- a lot of the, yeah, the yeah, dynamic yeah. of... of- yeah. Uh, I mean, there's just... There's so many stories, uh, Darren, that, uh, you know, mean so very much to me. I think... Uh, and I, I get to hear the stories. I, I ask. Yeah, I ask. You know, there's a there, there's a way that you can talk to a veteran without asking those questions that make them feel uncomfortable. You know, asking if they served in combat or if they ever killed anyone or saw anyone killed. Uh, it, it's more likely, you know, highly likely that they did. Yeah, uh, you know, but. Uh, uh, different veterans uh, like to talk about things in different scales, and uh, uh, I learned over the years that uh, I usually start out by asking, "Well, what you know, what branch were you in? What years did you serve? And hey, what was your job?" Right. And then let them tell me the stories that they want to tell me. And uh, y- you hear some uh, you hear some interesting stories. I remember a couple of fun uh, stories. I remember. Uh, uh, 
I remember a guy telling me that uh, he was, uh, this is World War II veteran, and uh, he was in Anzio, and they were, they were cleaning up, and they were cleaning up some of the, some of the outposts that the enemy had there. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, uh, I, I guess after the first Allied uh, troops had landed in Anzio and were cleaning up, and um, uh, they, uh, he had never ridden a motorcycle in his life. And they and they came upon an outpost that they were where they were clearing up. They were trying to seize documents and uh, you, you know make sure that everybody or, or you know that the enemy was in fact uh, gone and so forth and so on. And, and they came on a, a German motorcycle, and he was in Patton's, Patton's tank corps. <laughs> and, and a half a dozen of the guys that he served with had never been on a motorcycle in their life. Well, they took this this German motorcycle and they strapped it onto the front of the tank that they were in and brought it back behind enemy lines and, and got it to run again. And the, 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 the half a dozen guys that he was very tight with all got to ride a motorcycle for the very oh, first wow. time <laughs> in Italy. And it happened to be a motorcycle that they seized from the enemy. That's so, awesome. So that was a, you know, a, one of his pleasant recollections. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I had a, a, another veteran who uh, was uh, from Brooklyn, New York, uh, who served in Okinawa? Oh wow! And um, it, it, it's uh, it, it, there was a lot of death, a lot of death in Okinawa. And uh, um, he he told me that uh, uh, he had never ever in his life even seen a horse. Wow! Only pictures, only pictures. He was he was a kid in Brooklyn. Uh-huh, yeah, not a lot of horses in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. And uh, in one of the assignments, one of the things that they were doing uh, when they were in Okinawa is they were cleaning out the caves that, that the Japanese had used, and the Japanese were no- notorious for creating cave systems and yeah. tunnels and so forth and so on. Well, in this one particular cave, uh, a, a larger outpost, uh, they found a horse that was uh, kind of emaciated, and they nursed him back to health. Oh, wow. And the first time in his life he had ever both seen and ridden a horse oh, wow. was when he was on Okinawa. In, in the midst of all of the... Now, that was a pleasant memory for him, but at the same time, he had one of the worst memories of his life serving on Okinawa. Yeah. Because when he got there, uh, he, he was, he was uh, one of uh, two guys in his outfit who was charged with recovering the bodies of Americans on Okinawa. Oh, wow. And, and putting them in trucks, loading them in trucks, and taking them so they could be either buried or have their remains sent home. He was 17 years old. Yeah. And, and, and he said that the only thing that made him feel good about pulling that particular duty was that the piles of Japanese bodies were a lot higher. Wow. Wow. So these kids, that they carry that for, like you said, 50 years since... Uh, he, he told he told me to 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 that particular day, it was something that he still came back to him. Those memories still came back to him almost yeah. almost on a daily basis, and many times in his dreams when he was trying to sleep. And so I, I like to think that one of the other things that we can do is kind of give these guys a little bit of closure. Yeah, you know, put them along put them alongside other men and women that may have uh, witnessed the same things, and uh, yeah, I, I, and. Then uh, have them see those memorials to know that the sacrifices, uh, the service uh, that they gave this country uh, m- means a lot 
to to Americans, yeah. and that it'll never be forgotten, especially the World War II guys. I mean, you know, I, I told them all, uh, you know, when we go to their memorials, that this don't ever think you're going to be forgotten or what you did was in vain, because this memorial is made out of granite and stone, yeah. and it's going to be here a long, long time. And those kind at, of memorials, at, they... after you're gone, you know, and uh, yeah, we don't uh, we don't go to the monuments. We don't go to the monuments. We go to the memorials. Wow. You know, we recognize the service of the, you know, typical honor flight is going to be uh, uh, the World War II, Korea, Vietnam era memorial. It's going to be uh, the Air Force Memorial. Um, it's going to be uh, uh, Arlington National Cemetery where we witnessed the changing of the guard at the Tomb mm-hmm. of the Unknown Soldier. Uh, it's uh, it, it's just, it's a tour of honor. It's one yeah. last tour of honor for these guys and uh, men women. It's and, an amazing uh, opportunity. Who couldn't be more deserving and... Uh, like I said, I think the the, the 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 transition that we've made, as I started to talk about before, from World War II uh, veterans now in for Vietnam era veterans, uh, for us uh, makes the mission even more uh, important because uh, uh, that was a war that was despised by the public, and consequently, a lot of the guys that served there, uh, men and women that served there, w- were despised uh, for for. For performing the service that our yeah, government for- asked them to do, <clears throat> and uh, uh, these are men and women that really and truly need uh, closure, and yeah. need, need to know that need to know that they're loved, uh, that they're not hated like they probably felt like they were when they came back home. Yeah, you know, that spit on and I'm just awful, called awful, god awful names, and you know, so many of them. If they came in through San Francisco, were told to change out of their uniform before they went through the airport because of how they would be treated if the public recognized them as someone that was serving over in Vietnam. Well, you had 58,000 die there. Uh, many, many, many who came, who did make it home uh, never really left there. No. Uh, P- PTSD and uh, the, the horrors of war and the things that they lived through, you know, as well as uh, uh, the scourge of Agent Orange, you know, which many of them carry around to this day. Uh, some not only uh, affected their own health, but affected the health of their children yeah. with birth defects. And, uh, you know, it's uh, th- th- these are men and women, those that served in Vietnam, that, that, who really and truly need to see their memorials and they need to go shoulder to shoulder with other veterans that feel like they do so, so they can see that memorial that know that Americans do appreciate them. It's not like it was then. And they, they need to have a good cry. Yeah. They need to have a good okay. cry at that memorial. And, and every one of the memorials is a little different. World War II, Korea, Vietnam. You know, World War II basically honors those that served by state. There's columns okay. all around the memorial dedicated to veterans that served from each state at the time. The Korea War Memorial kind of drills down a little more. You almost feel like you're at the what it must, must have been like to have been at Chosin Reservoir and to be serving in the ice cold and, and driving rain and so forth, as those men, those men did. And it's a, it's, it's a number of slightly larger than life-size men on a field of battle is right. basically what yeah. they but the Vietnam Memorial, it's individual names. Every single one. Individual names that are up there. And uh, I, I, I can tell you on the very last trip that I went, because I was, I'm now chairman emeritus, you asked before what we're doing now. Yeah. I'm no longer active, but the, 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 uh, uh, the board of directors voted me a nice, a very nice title, chairman emeritus. So now I, I talk. 
Uh-huh. I, I talk about the organization, which is something I love to do, but I'm not involved in the nuts and bolts running of, of right. things and uh, 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 not responsible for that anymore. And uh, I went on their first flight this year after the COVID hiatus, yeah. two years, and went on the first flight this year and, and basically as an observer and a consultant, oh. if you want to call yeah, to, to our new incoming board uh, and uh, new chair folks and uh, got to w- see it in a whole different way. And I spent more time at the Vietnam Memorial on this trip than I have at any other trip, oh, wow. any of the other 31. And uh, and I broke down. You know, I broke down. And uh, uh, I was comforted uh, by, a, by a Vietnam-era veteran who saw me. Uh, I was looking at the wall, and I was reading some of the things that were left. There's a lot of mementos mm-hmm. that were left at, yeah. at the Vietnam Wall, uh, by family members and friends, uh, some very specific to a particular veteran that may have passed, personal pictures and notes and things like this. And, and I took the time, this on maybe the first trip ever, to, to read it and to take that in. And I was reading something that someone had left, and it made me really emotional. And I, uh, I so emotional that I had to turn my head uh, away from the wall uh, to to try to compose myself, and, and when I had turned my head, turned my back to the wall, and was uh, I I was sobbing. I won't lie. Uh, a, a Vietnam era vet tapped me on my shoulder and asked me if uh, if I was okay, and I said, "Yeah, I'm okay." I said, "I was just a little bit overtaken," and he said, "Did you uh, did, did you see the name? Uh, did you see a name on the wall that that got you upset?" And I said, "Yeah." Uh, all of them. Yeah. All of them. So the dynamic is so different from, you know, from the World War II veterans and the the pain that the World War II veterans, they still carry a lot of that pain with them, but at the same time, it's not compounded at home like it was for the Vietnam era veterans who they suffered all the same kind of the horrors the, they, they shared in the camaraderie as, as they did in the World War II, but at the same time, and they go through these horrific things that their, their country just told them to do. They did their duty. So you got to suffer through all of that, and then you come home, and it's not, you don't get anywhere to, to, to release those, those terrible memories, those terrible experiences, because... Then you come home and you're treated terribly. Well, yeah. Okay, so none of them ever had a parade. No. Well, let's put, you know, if you want to look at it that way, none of them ever had a parade. But, but at least, at least those who served in World War II, uh, we had VE Day. Yeah. We had a victory to celebrate. We had victory in Europe. Uh, we had VJ Day. We had victory in Japan. We, so uh, we so we had things that uh, uh, were that that we could celebrate. We could celebrate that victory. We didn't have that victory in Korea. We definitely There's, and then uh, Vietnam. Not only did we not have that victory, but again, the the war effort at that time was despised. So it's. Uh, there are a lot of dynamics in play there, and uh, uh, I, I think those men and women, you know, regardless of how we felt at the war about the war at the time, but but probably because of how we felt about the war at the time, it's important that we celebrate these folks, yeah, and, and let them know that 
no matter what they thought America might have thought of them when they came home, it's not the same now. Yeah. It's not the same. And uh, uh, I, I could tell you they all need it. And it it's something. It's a, another reason why we're really glad that we made that transition um, uh, to do that and uh, why the mission is more important than ever now yeah. you know, to folks like me. Absolutely. Let's take a <clears throat> real quick break. I want to wrap things up. I kind of want to talk just real quick about what somebody might experience, how to, you know, with, you know, from day one to, you know, how to get on the, on a flight and yeah. then what they might experience, you know, briefly and then how people can donate or join or participate. So um, let's take a quick, quick deadbeat sponsor break and then we'll uh, come right back and wrap things up. This portion of the program is brought to you by Captain Ramirez Submarine Shales and Service. Are you in the market for a Typhoon-class submarine? Does your current submarine need a little sprucing up before nuclear war season? Does your submarine lack the pizzazz your neighboring superpower submarines have? Have you recently acquired a super-secret submarine and are looking to make some extra rubles or dollars? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then Captain Ramey's submarine sales and service is the place for you. To contact Captain Ramey's submarine sales and service, you must send one ping. One ping only. No idea how hard it was to get Connery to do that ad for me. <laughs> but uh, um, all right, really quick, I wanted to get to this, and uh, we've we've run long. But the car, real quick, if you want to run down, this is a, a fascinating. Oh, okay. So amount of generosity uh, that that went into this. Yeah. Um, so a, no, a number of years ago, uh, uh, someone became a, a regular supporter and donor to Honor Flight Central Florida. Uh, we we found out over time uh, somebody that I, I befriended. I found out over time that he was a a car collector as well. He had a, and he had a penchant for nineteen fifty fifty five to fifty seven Chevys, or what that group calls tri fives. Right. Tri, yeah, yeah. The tri five mm-hmm. Chevys. Uh, well. Uh, he lives up here. He lives up in this area. And uh, he was in Sanford one day and happened to see out in front of a restaurant a 1956 Chevrolet Army staff car, a special issue, uh, Model 200, uh, that was made for the Army. And it had all the original Army insignia on it and so forth mm. and so on. Well, he had to have it. He had to have it. And he was a man of means, so he managed to, uh, to get his hands on it. And uh, it had a place of honor. It was a, a survivor. It was a true survivor. It was all in original condition with original tank. Oh, wow. Just, I mean, a real piece of history. And uh, with Montgomery Ward tires. Oh, wow. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 might, I might add, yeah. So uh, I'm really dating myself just by, <laughs> just, by, just by saying I know who Montgomery Ward is. Uh, well, it appeared in our first Hot Rods for Heroes fundraiser car show in 2018 had a place of honor right up in the front uh it appeared again in 2019 uh at, at that car show an annual fundraiser for us uh around the end of uh 2020 
we didn't have the car show in 2020 because of COVID. The end of 2020, uh, uh, the gentleman's name is Gary Racer, and Gary Gary owns owned a company at the time called Limu Company right here in Lake Mary. A uh, very generous and patriotic guy. And uh, Gary called me up and said, "Hey Ed, you you know about the '56 Chevy? You've seen it before." He says, "He says, uh, and you know I'm a car collector." He said, "I've decided that I want to auction off about two dozen of my personal vehicles at the Barrett Jackson auction in, in the spring of '21." He said, "And I'm willing I'm willing to part with that 1956 Chevy Army staff car, but I'm not going to auction it off for, for profit." For, for myself to fill my pockets I want to give it to you Oh wow! and I want you guys to I want it to be auctioned at Barrett Jackson they've already agreed to do that and waive all the fees that normally go with auctioning one of the cars at this great venue and uh, uh, I, I was quite quite flabbergasted uh, to be honest and uh, so Nancy and I uh, uh, became very involved I attended uh, with, with seeing this car being auctioned off and uh, in July of 21, uh, the car was auctioned in uh, Las Vegas uh, and uh, uh, garnished uh, $70,000 wow. uh, hammer price at the auction there. But that set in motion a chain of events that we just wouldn't have been possible without Gary keeping eyeballs on us. Gary was a little disappointed with the price, that we, the money we were able to raise. He worked with the gentleman that uh, won the auction in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, together, they spread the word. Uh, 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 the gentleman that won the auction in Las Vegas agreed he wanted us to. He wanted to donate the car back to us and see it go on the auction block again. Oh wow! So that we so. could raise more because attendance was down at that particular auction. Uh, COVID. With with all of the dynamics going on at the time, yeah, and yeah, and and they thought that there would be a uh, 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 an opportunity to raise far more, so they conspired and they to, uh, in, a, in a very good way, and, and uh, because they were well networked inside Barrett Jackson with car folks and folks that wanted to support worthy charities, veteran charities in particular, uh, they they kind of worked together to make sure that uh, some of the people that were going to be showing up at the Houston auction in september mm-hmm. first time ever barrett jackson had an auction in houston uh that, that the car would be put up on the block again and then we they could raise substantially more uh i was told between the two of them they had a goal that they would have liked to seen us raise maybe two hundred fifty thousand dollars right car. so the car went up on the auction block nancy and i attended that auction got to speak to a lot of the potential donors ahead of time about what it is that on a flight does and you know why we think the mission is important and how we wanted them to bid on the car because of how the funds would be used while the car went on the auction block uh, uh the first time and uh hammered at four hundred and $25,000. Incredible. I I was moved to tears. But before the car ever left the auction block, the gentleman that won the auction went up and approached the podium and told Craig Jackson, don't get it down. I'm giving it back. Let's auction it again. (laughs) So it went on the auction block twice without having left uh, the auction block. And the second time around, raised four hundred thousand dollars. We're at eight hundred grand. So we have we're now at eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, plus seventy thousand in the first auction, and uh, we just we were flabbergasted. Just That's I mean, incredible. I didn't even know what to say. Well, 
while we're up in the uh, up in the owner's box following the auction, uh, I'm approached by another gentleman who said, "You know, I didn't have any interest in the car." He said, "But I want to donate one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to your organization, so that you can walk out of here today with a cool million. That's incredible. And, and, yeah, and uh, what a whirlwind kind of a day! I can't even tell you. You know how amazing it is when like one person does something just incredibly oh. good." And then that sparks the next guy to do it, and then the next, and the next, and it creates this chain of amazing charity. Uh, just a, a chain of events, and, a, 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 and a, it's just something that you can't even imagine being a part of. Yeah. You, you know, but to have been there and seen it happen and, you know, uh, be able to go up on, so I got to speak to the organization, to a group of about 5,000 folks about what it is that we did. And it's very, uh, uh, it's very dynamic uh, atmosphere. And, and you have just a certain amount of time, you know, the, I think I had 45 seconds right. or something like that to talk to, about. To try and share the whole story. Yeah. Share the whole story seconds, real yeah. quick. We know why people should donate and so forth. And uh, I, I was, uh, uh, overwhelmed that I got a standing ovation. You That's know, incredible. Yeah, after after speaking about the organization and what we did, and then at, on top of that, to have raised a million dollars for such a worthy uh, charity is just. Uh, That's just it's incredible. Uh, it's, uh, uh, I mean, you can see I'm smiling yeah, right yeah, now. It's, uh, I've got good goosebumps. I'm, yeah, you know, it's making the trips and taking <laughs> t- making the trips and taking these men and women to, to to their memorials just makes me smile like I can't say. But being part of that just. Uh, it's such a highlight. Such oh a, my gosh! Yeah. you know, and uh, that was after I had uh, stepped down as being chairman, and I was really uh, working on behalf of the organization. As I mean, my new function is chairman emeritus, and what a parting shot! Yeah, that, you, you know, <laughs> and uh, we were just so delighted to be a part of that whole thing. And, that's uh, incredible. Uh, um, thank God for generous folks. Yeah, for sure, yeah. and then people that can appreciate yeah. such a worthy cause. Yeah. So uh, very fortunate. Real quick, say. How does somebody get sponsored, or how do they get on to you know, a, a veteran? How well, they- veterans are never charged a penny. We don't charge them anything at all for any of the services that we provide. All they need to do is apply. Uh, we, uh, uh, we put... You, basically, you're taken on. Uh, you're put on a list, and you're taken on a first come, first serve basis. While we observe the following priorities, which is really relative to your age, so uh-huh. World War II veterans go first, Korea War veterans second, Vietnam era veterans third. We have taken some Gulf era veterans. Um, a, a a terminally ill veteran of any era goes to the top of the list. Okay, and we have taken several. Wow, uh, we've taken several where it was a bucket list. Right. item for them to go to their memorials and uh probably the coolest thing about it is uh the majority over 50 percent, have never seen their memorial yeah and many would never ever get to make the trip if they didn't go on the honor flight but we take them at no cost to them uh we also ask for uh, guardians folks to volunteer as guardians cover their own costs with a donation to uh, uh honor flight to make that trip and to uh, have the privilege of accompanying a, yeah. a, a veteran, an amazing to, opportunity. To, yeah, to, to their to their memorial, and uh, they'll share a day like uh, and bond in a way that is unlike any other. And these guardians and veterans, these are new, lifelong friendships. Yeah, that that, that come up. You know, I, uh, and uh, such a special opportunity. Uh, you, you're going to share things. You may hear a veteran that you accompanied on an honor flight. You may hear them tell you a story that they have never, ever told anyone oh, wow. before. 
anyone before because those memories come rushing back when they're with other veterans that served during their era and they're visiting their memorial. And they start to feel a little more comfortable with... Yeah, it's, uh, it is such a cool thing. It, it, you know, it's such a thing. So, so how do people reach out? How do they so, donate? Uh, so for us, it's uh, www.honorflightcentralflorida.org if you're a local person. And if you're hearing of this elsewhere, elsewhere and you just want to learn more about the organization at large, we're one of 130 hubs throughout the country. It's www.honorflight.org. Okay. Honorflight.org, and you can, if you go to the national website, you can look and you can find by by map or by uh, state entry uh, all the hubs that are in and around you. So if it's near uh, you and all that, and uh, yeah, uh, you can you can donate to the organization uh, through the website. You can volunteer to be a guardian. Well, I encourage anybody that has even the slightest amount of interest and is a patriot, do the thing that we did when we first became aware of this organization. Find out when a flight is returning to an airport near you and go to the airport and greet the flight. Yeah. Bring a flag, bring a sign, bring your kids. It is a family thing. And I'm going to tell you, you will never feel more patriotic at any time in your life than than if you take the time, carve out the time to meet these folks, greet these folks, shake their hands personally and thank them personally that that you have the freedoms that you do today because of them let them know it they appreciate it and it will make you feel as good as it makes them feel ed it has been yeah we we ran a little long but i, I can't think of a better topic to talk about but thanks a lot I absolutely appreciate you coming out um definitely let me know the next time there's a flight returning and I'm, i'll be there with you um but man anytime you want to stop by chat chew the fat go go over every anything um you're more than welcome here to my little little corner studio here in club wago and if uh my producer mr allnut can figure out how to attach links to the podcast and all that we'll definitely link everything in on youtube and on uh on the podcast as far as how you can reach out to honor flight and what an amazing service. Well, thanks for, thanks for having me. I'm sorry if we ran long, but it's oh, it, not at all. It, no, it, no, that's the great thing about the format. I, we don't have to I <laughs> worry about it. I just love to talk about it because it is such a great organization with such a great mission. Such a great time talking. Ed. let's uh, look forward to next week. And uh, absolutely everybody, if you have a chance, look up honor flight and uh, find out how you can be a part of it, support it. And, uh, um, always look for that opportunity to thank one of our our veterans and those that sacrificed so much for you.